15 the last month or so um, and something sticks out in that to me and that's that Jesus tells a story of the lost sheep right and so there's this herd of sheep and there's 99 there's 100 of them and, and one goes astray and so what I think is so cool is that we're reminded this morning that we don't have to be the 99 that we can we can walk away and God willingly brings us back each time not that God's angry with you 
but that God loves you. That we don't claim that we have it together, but we don't need to because God does. Amen. So, man, I'm excited to sing this because I want us to choose praise in the midst of triumph, in the midst of struggle, too. So let's sing it. Oh, praise the name of the Lord God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing.
somebody give me an amen in the house. All right, you guys can have a seat. We're glad you're here, and I just want to point a, a quick just note from the second song we sang. You know, our God is for us. Who can be against us? Our God is for us, and that is the heartbeat of our church is that we want our community to know that we are for them. And so we can say those things, we can do those things, but when you hear the stories that come out of it, it'll blow your mind. And I got a message this morning, just a, this person, I don't know who he is, I just know his name is Charles, and he left a message on Google, and he just said, I love that this church is for their community. Can we get an amen? Seriously. And what's so exciting is yesterday we had that extreme egg hunt, and for some of you who are participating, we thank you so much for just... Just getting in, really getting in with the kids. It was a great day. There was kids everywhere. We had over 300 students that participated and their families. It was all, it was, our team did a killer job pumping everything into the gym. It was just a great day. And so for those of you who didn't get a chance to see or maybe are kind of still wondering what we did, watch this video. Here and now I'm in the fire and above my head Being held under the pressure, don't know what'll be left But it's here in the ashes I'm finding treasure great day and there were kids outside picking up eggs so many eggs it was so much fun and I talked to someone this morning and they said what was so cool for him he was serving and he said what was so cool for him was to see the faces that kind of walked up it was cold as soon as they got in the gym they just lit up he said the kids had a blast he goes I've never seen something like this before and you know what that is it is a gym it is full of fun things but what they're seeing is people who love Jesus they want their community to know that we love Jesus amen and so that's what our church is about. And so if you pass the friendship folders, we appreciate that. I have a couple highlights to mention. I could talk about what happened yesterday all, all this morning. You don't want that. But we have a really exciting uh, opportunity this week to just worship our God and make him the number one on Thursday and Friday of this week, March 29th and 30th. It's going to be our Good Friday service. It's going to be the same thing both on Thursday and on Friday at 7 p.m., a night of worship and communion right here at Crossroads in the auditorium. And then 6 o'clock on Saturday and 9.30 and 11 on Sunday, we're going to have our Easter celebration, and we're going to raise this roof for Jesus. It's going to be a great weekend, and we can't wait to celebrate it with you guys. If you want to invite more people, grab some notes. Um, there we have little invites available at the welcome area as well as as you leave. Just grab those, and if you need anything else just to help you invite people, take a risk. What's the worst thing that could happen? They say no. Well, they say yes, and then you're going, I'm going to get them there. So you worry about that, and we'll be praying for you. It's going to be a great week. We cannot wait. So glad you're here, and I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward for our morning offering. If you're brand new with us, just you are more than welcome to participate. 
The offering is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. You are 100% absolutely more than happy to participate. But we're just so thankful that you're here and just know that you're here not for a random reason. We believe God has a purpose for you this morning. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. And at the end of the day, we just recognize that no matter what angle we look at our lives, no matter when our best seems the best, God, at the end of the day, we break down. God, our, our stories this morning, coming in and sitting down, God, we don't know where everybody's at, but God, we know that at the end of the day, no matter what angle we look at our lives, we need Jesus. And so God, we just are coming to you right now, God, with our monies, with these treasures that you have given us so generously. God, we want to see our communities. We want to see our city. We want to see this world. More and more people come to know you through your son, Jesus, and for their lives to be completely changed. And so, God, we love you. We give to that mission now. We are so excited, and we thank you, God, that when we love you, we know that it is you who first loved us. We love you, Jesus.
truth in our life that we can count on you that we don't have to have it all together for for your love to to see through all that we're going through and God so I don't know what that is in this place right now but one thing I do know is that is that you chase the one so Father we thank you for that truth soften our hearts as we hear your word we love you we pray in Jesus name to be here uh, this Palm Sunday. I'm thrilled about what happened yesterday with the egg hunt, man. Wasn't that incredible? Uh, if you were here and you were serving, uh, would you stand up? I just want to say thank you to you. Uh, if you were here serving at the egg hunt somehow yesterday on the parking lot, anywhere, would you stand up? We just want to say thank you. Just stand up there. Man, a day. You know? We appreciate you. Thank you. You may be seated. Dan, if I could have just a little bit more, all right? <laughs> 
Um, and, and so we, we just, I want to thank you, man. Hundreds of kids came through, hundreds of people and families, and it's just so exciting that we could do that. And then today we celebrate Palm Sunday, and uh, we're going right into Thursday and Good Friday, Easter Sunday next week. So God is doing great things all over the church, and I just want to just say thank you for all that you're doing here and serving and watching what God does. And today as we, uh, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, as you leave, you'll get your palm. We have palms out there, and uh, our students will be handing them out to you, but we're, we're just so thankful for the opportunity that we have to come and worship the Lord. So uh, our series is The Last Words of Jesus, but I thought before we jump into that series, let me just uh, uh, read to you this Palm Sunday, what, what we uh, remember on that day, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. This is from the book of Luke chapter 19, and uh, it says, and they, they, brought the, they brought the colt to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And uh, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to, said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you the truth, if, uh, if, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And so today on Palm Sunday, uh, one week before Easter, we're remembering what Jesus did uh, as he came in on the donkey riding. And it was like this moment of, 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 of great anticipation because what they were anticipating was that he would become their king. And he did become their king, but he went through the way of the cross. They weren't anticipating a cross. On that morning, on on Palm Sunday morning, they're ready to celebrate because they're thinking that he is going to be the next political power, that he is going to take care of the Roman oppression. And so they're shouting Hosanna. And Hosanna means it has the, the, the anticipation behind it is save now, save us now. So they're, they're ready for him to come and save us now, save from a political oppression. And Jesus, in just a few days, goes through a trial, goes through all the torture of the cross, and he ends up on Good Friday, where we're picking up here today, at Luke chapter 23. He's on, on the cross, and he's been hanging there from 9 o'clock in the morning all the way till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Luke 23, verse 44, and you can follow along there. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So from noon until three o'clock, there's darkness covering the earth, and Jesus has been hanging, uh, hanging there on the cross, and he's saying very few words. We've looked at six of them. Today we're looking at the very final words that he says on the cross. The sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Uh, and this is pretty significant because in the temple there were, there were several areas that people could go. You had the kind of the outer court area and then there was a, 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 a division to the holy area. Then there was a division to the holy of holies. And behind this curtain in the Holy of Holies is where the priest would go and make atonement for sins. It would be like he would go in there once a year type of thing. He was behind this Holy of Holies. It was like the most sacred place, and only the priest could go in there. And he was taking before, he was taking the sins of the people before God and making atonement for them based upon the sacrificial system. Now, 
today we see here what happened in this scripture was that the veil of the temple was torn into two and it was because God was coming and he's saying, look, no longer the sacrifice on the cross took care of everything. No longer do you have to have a priest that, t- that, that goes before me. No longer every man can come unto the Father through Jesus Christ. Verse 46, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So, the sense, so when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly, this was a righteous man. Uh, he's a, this Roman centurion, he's seen hundreds of crucifixions, literally hundreds. It wasn't, uh, again, I've said several times throughout our series, a Roman crucifixion, Jesus wasn't the only one to die on a cross. It wasn't just three people one day on Calvary. This was a regular occurrence that people would die a criminal's death on the cross. So Jesus goes to the cross, and after he dies on the cross, his final word that we're dealing with today says, into your hands, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as he says that, he breathes his last breath, and a centurion looks up and says, certainly this was a righteous man. Uh, Why did he say that? Why all of a sudden the change? Why He'd been around Roman crucifixions all the time. And here's what happened. They had never seen anybody on the cross that denied the painkiller. Jesus was offered the painkiller, uh, this mixture uh, with the myrrh, and it was uh, to, to give him this, uh, you know, that would take away the pain so he wouldn't groan. He denies the pain, the painkiller, and so he, he suffers through. Uh, he's also on the cross, and he, he says, Father, forgive them. They had never seen anybody dying a Roman crucifixion that said, forgive the people who are hurting me. That just wasn't commonplace. You didn't see that. Uh, they never saw anybody look to the other person on the, uh, on the side of the cross and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was no talk about, uh, about the next stage of life on a cross. It was brutal. They only wanted to get down from there, and there was no hope. And Jesus offers hope. He offers life. And they had never seen anything like this. So when Jesus dies on the cross, they see a different model of how to die. You know, I want, I want to just share with you, the reality of life is that we all will die. And I shared this a few weeks ago, that the mortality rate in America is 100%. We will all face death, okay? Every one of us will die. And so I, I just, uh, I'm just not, like, planning my exit strategy, right? I'm not planning, like, you know, I'll have a car accident or this or that, right? All I know is that one day we will stand before God and we will leave this earth. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I want to share with you that there is nothing to fear. You have zero to fear about it. Uh, For some, it's like you start to think about it. For some of us, we're thinking about it more than others as we age. And it's like, wow, the older you get, the more you start to realize that I'm one step closer to that moment. I'll be turning 50 this summer, and I'll tell you what, I think about that moment more than I ever did when I was 25. Because when I was 25, I thought I had life ahead of me, right? And I, and I said, wow, I've got tons of time to go. And all of a sudden, 25 years blip by, and I'm like, oh, in 25 years from now, I'll be 75. And I'm thinking, that's not very long, is it? Because I remember when I was 25. But now if I'm thinking about 75, so it's like, wow, I know that the times are changing. And we're, every day you live, you're one step closer to the day when you will stand before an almighty God. To the day that we leave this earth. And as you live this life and as you start to understand that, notice what Jesus did. 
He, he died at peace. He knew this was his time. He had peace. Uh, he wasn't afraid to die. He, he had all his relationships taken care of. He wasn't hanging on the cross and said, hey, call, call a few of my disciples back. There's some unfinished business. He had everything finished before he got to the cross. He took care of everything. So he's dying on the cross, and he knew that the mission had been accomplished. His life, the mission, he was on the cross paying for our sin. The scripture says that he came to give his life a ransom for many. He understood that, and he knew what he was doing. He wasn't angry. There was no bitterness there. And he knew where he was going, and he has great confidence in the Father. And he says, into your hand, I commend my spirit. Um, You know, you may be asking, who took the life of Jesus? Remember years ago, that was a big question, who took the life of Jesus? Have you ever watched The Passion of the Christ, that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Okay. Um, A very moving movie. And I remember I went to the theater, and I sat there in the theater, and it was one of those few movies that people just sat in their seats stunned after the, after the movie. And they just sat there and you heard people weeping and people were just in shock. It was so overwhelming when you saw a visualization of what Christ has done for us. And, and, and the, the question comes out after you watch that is who killed Jesus? Was it, was it Pilate? Did Pilate? Is he responsible for it? The, uh, the governor? Was it, uh, what, what, was it the, the soldiers? What, was it the, the religious leaders? Leaders? And, you know, it was our sin that drove Jesus to the cross. Without our sin, without our sin, he would never need to go to the cross. So he goes to the cross and he pays for the sin of mankind. He pays for your sin on the cross. But I want you to know that he did it not as a victim. He paid the price willingly. So the first thought in your notes, if you're taking notes this morning, is Jesus paid for your sin willingly. Uh, he, he was not, this was not a victim. He was not circumstance. Uh, this thing didn't just happen like, oh, what a terrible thing. All of a sudden his life ended. Jesus knew the sacrifice that had to be paid for your sin. And he goes to the cross and he willingly stretches out his arms and he willingly pays for your sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 18, before he ever got to the cross, he said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I willingly give my life. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. So Jesus gave his life. He, he did it with, with willingly. He, he did it for you. He did it for me that we might have eternal life. And uh, he was in complete control. Uh, you know, again, people want to know, why, why did this happen? Why is he doing it? Because he was the only sacrifice that could pay for your sin. He lays down his life. Jesus, nobody could do anything without the permission of Jesus, and here he lays down his life. He gave his life confidently. Uh, it was with great confidence that he gave his life. Notice here, that's the second thought this morning. He gave his life with, in confidence. And when he did that, um, he, we get that from this verse here, Luke twenty three forty six, And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, I've been with many people as they pass away. As a pastor, many times I've been with several families in our church, and it's pretty quiet. People will speak leading up to there, but when they're about ready to take their last, last breath, you don't hear somebody crying out loud. 
You don't hear somebody giving their final word. Whoa. So picture with me. Jesus is on the cross. So he, he says, I thirst. They give him a little drink of water. He's got enough. Now, he, it, it's 3 o'clock. It is down to the end. It's pitch dark out. It is darkness covering the land. And he cries out. So he says, I thirst. Then he says, it is finished. He proclaims the battle cry that it is finished. And then he says, with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And then he takes his last breath. This was not common. You didn't see somebody on a cross that had even the energy to say something out loud, the energy to cry out loud. So as Jesus is on the cross, he is crying out in confidence. He's not shouting in anger. He's not shouting in despair. He's not shouting in defeat. He is crying out in confidence in a solid rock trust in who God is, in the Father. This is God the Son And he's displaying his reliance on God the Father here. And he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus is actually here, that last statement, he's quoting scripture. Jesus is giving us scripture here on the very last statement. Um, His last words were scripture. In Psalm 31.5, if you were to go read Psalm 31.5, and here it is, into your hands I I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. So when Jesus cries this, he's crying out, Lord God, here it is. I commend my spirit. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So I want you to catch here. This was a prayer that was taught to all the little Jewish children. When you were little, did your parents ever teach you a a nighttime prayer? Did it go something like this? What was it? I can't even remember it. That's... uh, There you go. Let's say it together. Now I lay me down to sleep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Right? All right, I can't even get it right. right? But you got the idea, right? And so, when Jesus was alive on the earth, they would teach all the little Jewish children to pray this prayer. Into your hand I commit my spirit. And it was a daily prayer. And the rabbis would pray. It was a daily prayer. And so imagine Jesus' mother Mary at the cross as Jesus quotes this verse. And it's a prayer that she likely prayed with her son growing up. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in all points like we did. And so as we see that, it's like, wow, the power, the power of, of this statement. He's quoting scripture. I, I think it would be awesome if we could, if that would be the last words on my lips as I pass, would be to quote scripture. And how powerful that is. Jesus himself said in Mark ten fifteen, he says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, it's childlike faith. It's like, like they taught their children to trust into your hands, I commit my spirit. Uh, the whole message of Jesus was to trust Jesus, to, to, to trust him, that finished work on the cross. To, he paid it once for all forever, and we give him that trust. Uh, we were, uh, you know, it's just simple childlike faith. And so Jesus' last words were scripture. He has no fear. There's no regret. 
He's just trusting the Father's plan. And this was, at this moment, Jesus was about to do something that would be so historical that the Son of God would come to this earth and live like you and I lived, be tempted in all points like you and I were li- like you and I have been. He would also not only just be tempted, he would experience the pain and anguish of life. Jesus said that the the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He understood loneliness, he understood abandonment, and now he would experience what you and I will experience taking our last breath. Into your hands I commend my spirit. <sighs> and he paid right there for your sin. It was done once and for all, forever. It was a moment of victory. Jesus gave his life victoriously. Um, Matthew 27, verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And, and Matthew gives us this little edge. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. There was an earthquake. At this moment that Jesus dies and pays for our sin, there is an earthquake. The temple is torn. And you know what? There was another earthquake. If you go back to Exodus chapter 19, you'll see that when God came down to Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments, he gave the law, there was an earthquake. And that was an earthquake of terror. But now we see whenever Jesus dies, there is an earthquake of fulfillment. The law has been fulfilled. The Son of God has paid the sin of mankind. And so there is this powerful moment that takes place. It's dark. The temple curtain is torn. We now have free access to the Holy of Holies to go in before God the Father and this earthquake. And God is showing a victory. It's a battle cry of victory. There was no terror. It is now a moment of fulfillment. And he died to pay for your sin. Um, Matthew 27, 54, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and said, truly, this was the Son of God. You see how quickly they became converted at that moment? All their life they said no. Through the, through the, whole, the, through the whole crucifixion, they thought it's just another common criminal. And when the earthquake comes and all this moment of victory, they see him take his last breath. They stand there and say, aha, this was the son of man. This was the son of God. And folks, one day we are going to be there. We will die. And the opportunity that we have to be able, when we take our last breath, to leave this earth in confidence and to say, into your spirit, Lord, I commend, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I want you to think about this. It's real basic. He says, into your hands, into God's hands, I commit my spirit. The word commit is sometimes translated here, entrust or trust. And if you go back and you look at the Greek word there, it's, uh, it's really about this concept of, of making a deposit, of trusting. And you can make a deposit and trust God. You, you can leave your worries, your cares there. Now, there's a few things I want you to understand. This was the darkest moment for Jesus. 
This was the darkest moment. He paid for the sin of mankind. He's hanging on the cross. He's taking his last breath. And he calls on the Father. And there's a few points I want us to to take out of this this morning for your dark times. Because you're going to face dark times. If you haven't faced them, you know that they're coming. There are dark times that we must all face. We will go through, through bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. Here's a couple thoughts this morning based upon Jesus' statement. Into your hand, Father, he calls him Father. Do you realize up until Jesus came, the Jews didn't commonly call him Father? It was revolutionary. When Jesus said, pray, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, they were like, whoa. He just called the Almighty, Yahweh. He just called him Father. He called him Daddy. So Jesus cries out on the cross, Father. And there's something that we get to take that we get to take out of this. I want you to check this out. Number one, your heavenly Father loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you. Um, and, and understand how much he cares for you. You can trust him in your dark hours because he loves you. John 16, 28, Jesus said, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. There was an intimate relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And this morning, I want to invite you to this relationship with Jesus and trust and have this father and child relationship. Become his son, become his daughter. Become the child of God, the father and son. Because here, look at what Psalm 103 says. 103.13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Just as the son, as the children can understand the father's love, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And you can, you can count on him. Now take that word fear, and I want you to put the word honor in there, because it's really what he's trying to describe here. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor, who reverence, who come before him. How does a father love We deal with father's love. Maybe your father wasn't too loving. Maybe your father was pretty brutal. And at times, we are human dads. We we fall short. But we have a heavenly father that is not like your earthly dad. He is way better than your earthly dad. He has fulfilled. Many of you have a dad that abandoned you, that that caused you great pain, that, that maybe just point was outright rotten. God says, no, I'm not outright rotten. I am the father who loves and cares. And based on this verse, you can come before him and get his compassion. The father has compassion on his children. How does he love you? He, he is closely related in your life. He knows what's going on. He's not absent from your life. He, he's, uh, he's consistent. He's always caring. So he knows what you're going through. Not only does he see it, but he cares, and he has a purpose for what you're going through. So if you can come and and rely on the Father, into your hand I entrust, I deposit because you care for me, because you love for me, I'm going to give you all of that. Do you understand this morning that God loves you more than you love yourself? Did you ever think about that? Would you say that with me? God loves you more than you love yourself. Try that again. God loves you more than you love yourself. I, now, I had to share this with you because I know you love yourself pretty, pretty good. As I'm looking around the auditorium, it looks like 
just about 98% of you hit the mirror this morning, okay? You know, we love ourselves. We go in, we fix it up. My wife, it takes an hour to go anywhere. She goes down, she's got to get everything just right. Me, it's like four minutes, you know? It's like, I just stop, and okay, all three of them are in place. Let's keep going, you know? Um, at most of you brushed your teeth this morning, for which we're very thankful, all right? Why? Because you love yourself. You care about yourself. Do you realize that as much as you love and take care and watch out for yourself, God loves you more? That's pretty powerful stuff, that God loves you more than you can possibly care for yourself. And I want you to, to, to understand that because when you're talking about trusting him with your eternal life, I want you to take a step farther and trust him with your daily life. Because God has so much more than just, this is not just about, hey, when I die, I get to go to heaven. Although that's pretty big and important, folks. I mean, you cannot say that that's not important because you will spend more time in eternity than you will here on earth. Like millions of years more than you will in this 100-year period if you're lucky, right? So, so but there, the gift doesn't just wait till then. It starts today. You can trust him with everything. You can trust your heavenly father. That's the next thing. I want, he says, into your hand I entrust. I commit. I, I leave it there into your hand. Who can you trust today? If, if you can trust a politician, would you raise your hand? Is anybody out there? That's amazing. Nobody raised their hand in either service. Can't trust a politician. Can you trust the media? Can you, how, about your, how about the media? Can you trust the media? No. Uh, how, how, about, how about your own emotions? Anybody can trust your emotions? Okay. Emotions are terrible. Emotions most of the time tell me I'm no good. Most of the time they tell me it's bad, it's ugly, it's this, it's that. In the meantime, God's word is so opposite. God's word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in my image and in my, my sight. You're mine. I'm valuable to God. So here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to, to understand that God knows everything about you. He has his plan and purpose, and he has not abandoned you. He's working. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything that he does. So this morning, I want to ask you to trust him. I want to ask you to come before him and, and to to realize that you can deposit to him your cares, your woes, and leave it there. Deposit your life there. You're going to the hand of God. And the, the word there is really like the idea behind a safe deposit box. You ever have a safe deposit box, you know? My dad had a safe deposit box. I was so excited. After he passed away, I mean, you know, three months later, I finally got all the paperwork. I'm like... Man, my dad didn't have two pennies all of his life. Maybe this is the big surprise. And I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to be crying and say, Dad, I never knew you cared so much. And there'll be insurance policies and gold. And I go in there, I finally get the paperwork, and I open it up, and it is empty. I mean, it is just bone dry. And I'm like, Dad, come on. You paid monthly for a safe deposit box. Why? And, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him why he did that. You know, he just kept paying that bill for that safe deposit box. But listen, when you have a safe deposit, you, you can put your valuables there because you know they're safe. And your life is valuable to God. 
Your life is extremely valuable, and he wants you to come and entrust, commit to him, because it's extremely safe in the hand of an almighty God. Take the hand. I want you to visualize with me the hand of an almighty God. That is where you're going to trust your life. Trust today, trust tomorrow, and trust eternity. Jesus did some miracles. And one of the miracles he did was he fed the 5,000. He took some bread. He took a few loaves of bread and some fish, and, and he multiplied it, and he, he fed 5,000-plus people. It was incredible. It was probably more like 10,000 with the, the way the Jewish, the Jewish people counted. And so, so he, he had the, uh, the bread, and what he would do is he would take the bread, and this would be very common. Was, uh, how, he, how he fed the 5,000, this is what he did at the Last Supper, this so is what he did with the two men on the road uh, that we looked at last week, uh, the two men on the road to, to Emmaus. Uh, he takes the bread and he blesses it. So it's in his hands. He, he takes it in his hands, he blesses it, and then he breaks the bread. And so he would tear the bread apart and he would hand it out. In the feeding of the 5,000, they just kept tearing and they kept tearing and they kept tearing and God did some incredible things. And God blesses. And so today I'm asking you to entrust your life into the hand of an almighty God. And I want you to know that what he does is he takes your life, he takes the bread, and he blesses it. And for most of us, we think that's where the story ends. We think that this is it. Man, I'm going to be, my life is going to be so wonderful. I've trusted God and and I'm going to have a white picket fence around my house. I'll have 2.4 children, and I'm just going to be, everything's going to be perfect, right? And then the next step, though, and this is where many people jump off the ship. God breaks it. Unto your hands I commend my spirit. He breaks it. That's what he did with Jesus on the cross. The body of Christ. Look at the whole mission. The Father When Jesus was baptized, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had an incredible ministry. God blessed his, the father blessed his ministry. Then on the cross, look what the father did to the son. He broke him. And he did that so that you could have eternal life. You could have eternal life. And you could have eternal life. And I could have eternal life. And he did a miracle. And without that breaking of that bread, he blessed it. But he still broke it. And on the cross, the sacrifice was paid for me and you. And when the Father, when the Son cries out to the Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, he was doing that so that you could have eternal life. And so today, I want to ask you as we close, what can you safe deposit in his hands? I think many in our church are struggling right now because I'm walking beside many that are struggling. My heart's breaking as we struggle because I don't like this part. This is the part I like. And he blessed it. But I know this, that when we're going through this, God has a plan for your life, and he has a purpose. So for some of you, it's a health crisis. 
For others, it's a relationship crisis. For others, it's a financial crisis. And I don't know what God's doing, but I know that you can trust his hand. So today, my message to you is, into your hand, Father, I commit my spirit. And I want to ask you to commit your spirit to him while you're alive, when you're going to work, your worries, your cares, the things that are troubling you. Come and commit safe deposit into his hand. That's bound prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I invite you to Jesus. I invite you to trust him to to, uh, to do as Jesus did on the cross there. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you have not started a relationship with Jesus, would you please, I, I beg you today, I plead with you to start that relationship with Christ. And just call on him and say something like this. Maybe if that's you, say, Pastor Ken, I'm here today. I realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior I'm going to ask you to call on him just quietly. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to go anywhere. This is between you and God. I'm asking you to make business with him right now. And just say something like this to him. Dear God, into your hands I trust my spirit. I'm trusting you right now because you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you now into my life. And for others in here this morning, you may be struggling with some areas of your life. Maybe you realize that you're in the hand of an almighty God and you're trusting him, but you're going through some pain, some brokenness, And I want to invite you to confident trust, victoriously trust that no matter what's going on, no matter what breaking, what what pain you're in, to focus on the Father today because He is working. He has a plan and He will do what He's setting out to do in your life. You can trust Him. There's no safer place to be than the hand of an almighty God. Lord, be with your people now as we respond to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we stand and sing a response to that this morning. You know, praise the name of the Lord.